Okay, great. Welcome back, everyone, to the very third episode of the Talent Trellis Podcast. I'm not exactly sure if that's still the name, but that's what we're going with for now. So the show where we dive into deep into the minds of today's most innovative entrepreneurs, bringing you their stories, strategies, and insights. I'm your host, Paul Drake Verge, aka Pavladar, aka co-founder of Talent Trellis. And today we have a truly special guest. She's a trailblazer in the world of entrepreneurship and her brand stands against sleazy marketing tactics and copy and paste sales strategies. Known for her transformative coaching methods and her passion for helping entrepreneurs elevate their impact and income, please welcome the dynamic and insightful Ghazi Amin. Hey! Good to have you here. So Thank you very to much. Be here. Amazing. Ghazi has an extraordinary journey, transitioning from a political staffer to following her true calling as an entrepreneur and sales consultant. Her unique approach has not only reshaped her own life, but also empowered countless entrepreneurs to unlock their full potential. So Gazi, thank you for joining us today. Your story is an inspiration, and I can't wait to delve into you, how you use your authentic connections to create such a profound impact both in your life and the lives of the entrepreneurs that you coach. Thanks for inviting me, and I'm still in awe that all of this happened through a networking connection. It happened through a networking right? connection, and it was like three days later, yeah. or like, like a week later, and exactly. here we are, right? Exactly, so good. Yeah, so th- that's something like networking events, I, I never was a big proponent of them before i never really thought the value but i was like oh wait this is like exactly what is required to grow your business is getting yourself out there so true especially after the pandemic Mm -hmm. we're seeing more of a rise of that like entrepreneurs and humans can craving that human connection and so you and i are an example of that we wanted to meet each other in person and look where it brought us yes exactly first of all i gotta say i i love the outfit it is it is psychedelic right here <laughs> it's amazing it's part of the brand you know part of the brand <laughs> you, actually that's something very interesting i've um there's all these different types of branding and i know that some of the biggest entrepreneurs they have like a sort of like style of clothing yeah for branding so is this like thought out yeah for sure i mean my my brand is bold colors fun shapes and sizes of things that you wouldn't see i also usually wear these purple glasses mm-hmm. um, I don't wear them for podcasts because it has a bit of a glare but that's part of my brand and people will come up to me on the streets and say hey I saw you like I recognize you because of your glasses so I mean repetition people remember so how do you get remembered colors is part of it for me that's so true because like right now we're so bombarded by attention by wanting people want your attention in every other aspect so you have to stand out in one way or another totally so i like that yeah that's good so that's why i'm trying to get with the blue coat you know blue for trust so that's that's what i'm trying to do here okay great so we're going to just talk a little bit more about your early life and your background first so Ghazi, can you share some memories from your early life that believe shaped your perspective on entrepreneurship and your personal development Yeah, for sure. I mean, I hadn't thought about entrepreneurship till well into my 20s. Growing up, I don't know, my parents are immigrants. So the idea of like work and career was you'd go to university, you'd either become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, and then you would work a nine to five. And that was the idea of success. So that's all I really knew growing up. But I would say one of the values that was really important for my family coming here was that they did a lot to bring us to Canada. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to use this opportunity to create a really memorable life. And what my parents thought, because I was in politics back home in Iran, women are not involved in politics. And so growing up, we always heard around the family, like, 
create the opportunity that you never had that my family never had back home mm -hmm. so I thought I would work in politics and that was the value that stood with me where my parents were like we want our daughters to be in politics because that's something you won't see back home um, and so that was one of the things whether it was entrepreneurship or having a career I always grew up like my childhood I remember really clearly my parents always advocating for us to like create something big and that we weren't just gonna have a regular nine to five they had big ambitions for us. I mean, they left they left their home country when it was going to war and it was in a, not a good condition. And so for them, it was really important that we took advantage of growing up in a country like Canada. And so I always heard my dad saying, like, go for the big goals. No dream is too big. And he always encouraged us to thrive in what was traditionally male dominated industries. I mean, politics, yeah, right? Yeah. My dad was always at the forefront being like, you, you tell them what to do. They should listen to you. And so that value of always like going for it and creating impact was there, but it was never shared through, to me through entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where the shift had to happen. I was like, I knew I wanted to create big impact, but I hadn't thought about entrepreneurship because my parents weren't teaching that to me at that time. But it sounds to me, and so, because I'm also used to Eastern European, I'm, yeah. from, I'm from Ukraine myself. So it sounds to me that your parents were unique in the aspect of like, they are because I know, for for example, for my for my mom, she grew up in the Soviet Union. So yeah. for her, her value is much more like security. She wants me to be secure totally. through the vehicle of the nine to five mm -hmm. to do all these mm -hmm. kinds of things. So it sounds to me that your parents were a little bit more open uh, towards like you doing big things. And they were much more promoting you or like, say, yeah. encouraging you for like the big dreams, and the big outcomes. Totally. I mean, the security thing, like that's huge. Yeah. Same thing with my family. They were like, you know, like my parents never had a nine to five. They were always trying to make ends meet right mm -hmm. like they came here they didn't have a university degree so they're just trying to like figure it out in a new country where they don't speak that language so obviously that pressure around like security and this idea of benefits mm -hmm. and what a good career looks like was there but I just think deep down inside my parents knew that my sister and I we both had a calling to do something big and my dad was always an advocate for us like leading in a big big way he was always pushing us like I remember even when I was the youngest woman at the political table my dad always being there like trust yourself take up your space you tell those men what to do so I feel like deep down inside as a child like my dad was always whispering this like play big idea for me so you think that because from this early childhood you were hearing like go big go big go big uh do you think that this like instilled message within you um really helped propel you in like kind of what you're doing and and, and being more confident in anything like, yes and no because i had a lot of fear around leaving my nine to five as well like i was in my early 20s when I decided I didn't want to work in politics anymore I had spent like I was a teenager I started working in politics so yeah. I it was instilled at a pretty young age for us to like get in the political field and like kind of excel in that way there was the go big but it was very like pressure to a certain area like they wanted my parents wanted me to become a lawyer an engineer or a doctor like it was set out and so breaking free of that there was a lot of fear and pressure around it. I wanted to do something big, but my parents, 
they didn't have the awareness that this sort of a business would even be possible. I mean, they're like, wait, you make money on Instagram and a computer? Like, what yeah. kind of a job is that? But now it makes more sense to them. But at the time, they didn't know that. So they were kind of inspiring me to go big, but still in a box. They still yeah. had that like traditional mindset of the nine to five is the way to go. And that's where like I really had to find myself and be like, oh my God, I'm going to have to disappoint my parents. And that, that was a big pressure for me of like, mm -hmm. I'm going to disappoint my parents if I leave this successful career that I had created. That's like, that's what my dad's dream was. My parents literally came to this country for us to like secure this like great career. And now I was like, screw it. I'm going to quit. Like I'm leaving my political job. So there was a lot of fear around that. So walk us through that because I think for a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs who are just starting out, they have this like fear of, especially if like immigrant entrepreneurs, they have this fear of like disappointing their parents. And there is like, uh, the, the way I would describe it is like, there's always like this like looming cloud of like, is mom going to accept this? Yeah. Is dad going to accept it? For me, it was my mom. I don't know yeah. if, because my, my dad was Canadian. So he was like much more open with the idea. Right. So, so walk us through how like the emotional journey of that and how you were, came to the decision to quit and start on your own. And how was that? What were you feeling at those times? I wish it was the story where it was like one day I woke up and like this realization happened and like it'd be more storytelling, but no, it, it's actually it's a journey and there's lots of back and forth of like, should I do this? Should I not do this? I'm not meant to do this. Like I always tell people, like I heard whispers, like no one was talking to me as my intuition, but I just knew I wasn't meant to be there. And so even navigating this internal dialogue of like, you're not meant to be here of like, no, 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 I'm meant to be here. And then all the overthinking that comes with like, what would other people think about me? Mm -hmm. What would my colleagues think about me? What would my family think of me? What will my mom's friends think of me? Like just this overthinking pattern that starts to happen when really none of that even matters. But in that moment, that's the dialogue that's going through my mind of like, what will people think of me? What if I fail? What if I'm successful? What if I fail? Like, can I do it? Do I believe in myself? So it was a a longer journey than I wish. Like, again, I wish it's like I woke up one morning and I'm like, I'm going to quit. And then it was like clear sunshine from there. But it wasn't. There was a lot of battle with myself of like, I think I can do it. No, no, no. Let me just stay in this career. This is the safe option. And like really finding my voice until some point, like after a few months of just knowing deep down that this wasn't for me, the nudge, that intuitive nudge of like, you gotta get out of here. There's something bigger. It started to become more clear in my mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like, I can't totally explain it, but it just started becoming more clear. And like my belief in myself also grew a little bit more, but I just knew. And so I, over time, that nudge got louder and became more daily, I would say. This is something very interesting to me because I've had this exact same experience. Like, I remember sometimes I'm just like lying in my bed and I have all these. So the way I describe it is like, as you're ascending, because I, I would say entrepreneurship is more of like an emotional, so spiritual journey than it is physical totally. per se. So I was thinking like, as you're approaching this like barrier, like those thoughts that you're having, those are thoughts fueled by fear of the unknown, totally. right? So it's like, it, it is the fear barrier. But I think what you said was very interesting is because I had this experience too. So when I'm listening when I have like all these different kind of voices, once in a while or at the right time, there's this one voice that's like, 
and it's like a, it's not even much of a voice it's almost like a feeling slash mm-hmm. a voice mm-hmm. i call it a feeling mm-hmm. and it's like you can yeah and it's like as you start tuning to that then you're kind of breaking through and going through so so when did you like break that fear barrier and and here's the thing were those fears actually even real were they actually justified yeah well here's here's my philosophy on fear as a whole because i find that so many people experience it in entrepreneurship it's what stops so many from entering Mm -hmm. this path in the first place and stops a lot of people from taking their business to that new height and I've started to just totally shift my relationship with fear. And so instead of it being something I'm trying to avoid or pretend like I don't experience fear, like, hi, I'm human. We all experience this. I've sort of just accepted it as part of the entrepreneurship journey Mm -hmm. and used it as a really good sign. So if I'm working with a client and I'm like, is there, is there a component of fear to this? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, great. Let's lean into it. Because what I know now, I didn't know this at the beginning, but what I know now and can share with other people is fear is a sign that you're going outside of your comfort zone, which is so good. Yeah. So why would we try and avoid that? Like that's actually not the way, like instead of leaning back, I'm trying to lean into fear. Cause I know if I'm going into something that's has a little bit of fear component. I'm growing as a person and I'm doing something I've never done before. And that's a really good sign for entrepreneurs and for businesses. So even just thinking about it, like I started accepting, I'm not going to not be scared of this. There is going to be fear. I've never launched a company before. I've never done this before. Yeah. It's totally normal to have a little bit of fear. Hello, I'm doing something I've never done before. So even now just embracing that a bit more rather than trying to be like, no, 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 that scares me. I'm not going there. It's like, that's where you should be going. The goals that scare you, those are the ones that are going to allow you to grow. And also you're going to reap the rewards when you go for those big goals. So it sounds to me, what you're kind of saying is you change the relationship with fear in terms of like, it's no longer a barrier. It's like a compass. Totally. So it's like, if you're good, yeah, then you're like, okay, I'm on the right path. Yeah. And like, if I sometimes find that my clients are playing small and they're too comfortable with their goal, I'm actually leaning into like, how can we stretch this a little bit more so that there isn't a, is a component mm-hmm. of fear to it like you want to feel again you don't want to do something that's like scaring you like you feel unsafe going into it but that feeling that goal that has a bit of a stretch so if you've never spoken on a stage before and speaking in front of a hundred people scares you yeah it's probably a good idea to get on a stage yeah like if if you've never trained for a 5k before and you feel like you want to do it but you're terrified because you've never done it before that's a pretty good goal. You're going after something you've never done before. So I love the way you said it. It's it's a compass and we want to find where the fear is and actually move towards it because we know that there's going to be a lot of growth there. So it's so it's like fear is like the outer boundary of yeah. your like experience. What, what's interesting too is like, because as you move through fear, it's like once you get over that, that one little thing, it's not that your life is like, incrementally 2% better. It's like 
it's like log- logarithmically better. It's exponentially better. Totally. And it, and it ripples, yes, right? Like yeah. that one decision that scares you and you, you make that decision to do that thing. Like for me, leaving my very secure nine to five, it was a decision that I overthought and overthought for a while. And even though I know I wanted to leave, there was still that fear component. But once I made that decision, it didn't just change that one day or that one year for me. Like, look, this is four years ago and now you and yeah. I are still talking about it to this day, hoping to inspire other entrepreneurs. So it's the ripple effect that also comes with those big, bold decisions. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to like entrepreneurs in this kind of stage where maybe they're looking to start a new business, maybe they're looking to, to quit their job and they have like this overarching cloud of expectations from parents and mom's friend in the in the locker room, whatever, yeah. you know? So what would you say like, What's one one thing you would give to maybe a piece of advice you would give to your younger self then? Well, what really helped me, I'll share with you what really helped me. And then maybe that's for somebody as well. I always talk about finding groups of people who already have your goal and hanging out with them because I was really scared because nobody around me was doing what I was doing. But then I started getting myself involved with entrepreneurship communities. I joined a mentor mentorship program. I hired a coach. Then I started getting into groups of people who are also wanting to leave their nine to five, who are also starting their business. And so being in that energy allowed me to build a stronger belief and also know that I'm not the only one going through this stuff. It's normal. Mm -hmm. Everybody, I'm not the only one scared of posting on social media. That was one of my fears when I first started. Like, I'm not going to be able to create videos online. But then when I got into a community of other people being like, Oh, I'm I'm going to post content this week. Do you want to host like hold each other accountable? It made such a big difference early on in my journey. So I would say like if you want to quit your job, hang out with other people who've quit their job. If you want to start a business, hang out with other people who started a business because that energy and the lessons that they can teach you are really going to help you collapse time. Here is something though that a lot of people may not realize regarding this. And I think this is why a lot of people don't do this. Mm-hmm. It's because when you're with these people, like your insecurity is up. You're like, oh shit, like I'm not, I'm not that great. Yeah. I'm not that good. So how did you, did you, first of all, did you experience that as you're going into these groups? And how did you feel about that? How did you navigate it? Was there like some something you were telling yourself over and over again? Yeah, well, I talk a lot about doing the inner work and mindset work and building a self image of like the person that you want to become. So no doubt there was a lot of internal work around building my identity as someone who was worthy to claim her space and be heard, but also even just to normalize it. I really just knew that everyone here were all on the same journey. So I wasn't the only one, right? In our mind, we're like, oh, I'm the only one scared to sell. I'm the only one scared to create a podcast. I'm the only one scared to show my face on camera without makeup. But when you actually start talking to real humans, you realize this journey of entrepreneurship, regardless what your business is, we all we all share the same fears and doubts and worries and overthinking. And so the more honest we could be about that, I wasn't trying to be anyone I wasn't. Like yeah. I was telling people like, I'm nervous. I've never created an Instagram video. Is there anything I can learn from you? Like what helped you? So I wasn't trying to like be someone I wasn't. I was being coachable. I was willing to be mentored and be like, hey, listen, you're two steps ahead of me. What can I learn from you? You've already created your first video. What can I learn from you? And so I really, 
I think that's a quality in entrepreneurship. If you're coachable, that will take you a long way. Um, I had to be coachable in those spaces to really learn from the people who are not way ahead of me, even just a few steps ahead of me. There's a lot to learn from that journey. And so I was always soaking up when I was in these rooms of like, hey, what can I learn from you? Is there something you could teach me? Like I learned something from you and we went to the event together. We talked about ChatGPT and you training your function. Like I learned from you, but that's kind of the attitude that I always carry. I'm always a new entrepreneur. Got it. It's that beginner mindset of like, how day can one, I learn? What is it? Was like day one, not day. What is it? What was it? What, what, no, no. Day one, not one day. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm always starting with that mindset, no matter what room I'm in. But as an early entrepreneur in my beginner days, I was really like, I was the girl with the notebook, like writing notes and learning from everyone in the circles around me. And that's what helped me collapse time. Like I built a six figure business in 11 months of starting having never built a business. And I didn't do anything, no secrets, no nothing. I was just coachable. I took action really quickly. And so I really got myself in groups of people who were already doing that just so I can collapse time and learn from them and the contain the energy is just so contagious yeah note to future paul join an entrepreneur group yes i did because you know what it's every time i go i I did successfully did a goal it's because i joined the community first like working out and i keep for some reason i keep forgetting that so it's like some of these these things you just have to keep repeating and repeating and repeating. totally and honestly i'm still implementing that like i i'm now an investor i want to get more into real estate i looked i'm looking at buying a property in costa rica and so oh cool now i'm in a bunch of mastermind groups with investors and people who sell real estate and buy real estate people who do international real estate because i'm like hey listen i've never done this before so if i can talk to one person and they'll say when you look at a house look at this one thing like i'm not even talking about like a big massive aha moment just little things that i can learn from people it's gonna make my journey a lot easier and i'm gonna collapse it like instead of it taking two years it could maybe take me only a few months because I'm learning from all the people around me. So mm-hmm. even now, like as a as an investor, I'm taking that advice of like, I drive to Oakville once a month to be in a room full of investors just so I can be in the conversation and know what are the questions they're asking? What are they looking at when they're looking to buy property and, and trying to learn a thing or two from each of those rooms that I'm in? Do you think that being in those rooms like there's almost like this intangible benefit of being with like like mind like just being in the room and feeling the energy of everyone do you think this like propels forward your understanding and your totally totally sometimes people ask me like how do you justify what's a good event to go to or not like is it based on phone numbers is based on this even if you go to an event and you don't even talk to people you don't even pitch your business but you just listen and pay attention and ask the right questions look at how people carry themselves look at how people shake hands look at how people leave conversations or enter conversations you can learn so much so so much and so to your point you don't even have to have a business conversation even being in the energy of the room is gonna help you build yourself and get closer to the goal so it's so if i like that so if you're just starting out like get in a room like get in a room get in the room and then that that like you'll 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 pick up this like energy and this and which and then if if everyone's thinking and feeling the same way their thoughts are aligned which means you'll start thinking those same thoughts absolutely yeah yeah interesting and you said something that i want to touch on you said you had to do some inner work 
before you said you were doing some inner work before going in those rooms to be able to be a sponge and absorbent and i ask this question because sometimes i go in a room and i realize i'm i'm worried about how i'm perceived how how everyone's gonna look at me how's my uh, is my does my mustache look good or not (laughs) yeah i shaved it off though (laughs) so tell walk us through like what kind of inner work do you do regarding that or yeah because you are you're you're a coach and you're yeah absolutely and i'll tell you i do this there are series of things I do before I take a sales call, before I meet with a client, before I am holding space at an event, before I'm even, you know, just going out to do something, whether it be networking or go dancing, whatever it is, I'm always trying to set my intention and connect with who am I being in this room? So I'm not mindlessly going places, if that makes sense. I'm not just taking calls to take calls. I'm not just creating content to create content. I don't do things mindlessly. Everything I do is with purpose and with intention. So I'll give you an idea. Before I drove here, I had a 13 minute drive on my way. I didn't listen to music. I was just talking to myself out loud. Now, some people will think this is crazy, but this is this is the inner work that I'm doing. Yeah. So when I'm driving here, I'm thinking to myself, I'm so happy and grateful for this opportunity. I'm so grateful for Paul for reaching out and setting this up. I know this podcast is going to help so many people. And then I'll even connect with like, who am I being? Like, I'm going to be serve. I'm going to come from a place of service today. So how can I show up for these people? I'm a thought leader. I'm going to be authentically myself And I even like, I used to overthink. And one of the things I say, like, I can't say the wrong thing. I trust every single thing I'm going to say to you. Mm -hmm. So I didn't come prepared to this meeting. I mean, you didn't tell me the questions to prepare, but I did the inner work to connect with like, what's my intention with this podcast today? And who am I being? What is my essence? How do I want people to remember me? What is the impression I'm leaving on these humans? So I'm being really intentional with that. And it's my self-image work. Like I have an audio I've recorded that I sometimes listen before sales calls. There are certain things I write out. Like I am a person that leads through service. I am love. Every person I meet, I leave with the impression of increase. Like I focus on serving the person in front of me every single time. So these things, some might be, some people might call them affirmation mantras. For me, it's just, even if I'm not writing it or saying it, it's a moment Mm -hmm. to really be intentional. So if I'm creating a story or a reel, I'm connecting with who's this reel for? Why am I creating this reel? How do I want the person who's going to watch this reel to feel? And so that's the inner work connecting with who am I? Why am I doing this in the first place? So it's not just doing for the sake of doing. It's doing from a place of intention. Got it. So it's like living life consciously. Yes. And I, I think that's. I think that's actually the key because um, I was actually talking to someone about this. I think I was talking to Max over here behind the scenes. Uh, he's, he's our Jamie, you know, Joe Rogan. He's a Jamie over here. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? Yeah. So I think the key, one of the key things to be like a conscious being is, is to be um, conscious, not only of like why you're doing things or, or how you're doing them, but also to, um, to basically connect with, with your why and your purpose but it's, it's something funny happens when you start living life intentionally. It's almost like something hears and then directs, like puts mm-hmm. you forward. Because, and something very clear about intention, actually, I want to I say a different way. What you're kind of doing is 
you're taking all these like different thoughts or ideas and you're kind of tuning them into one channel mm-hmm. and it's kind of like mm-hmm. and as you're as like like the laser beam is focused then it's much more likely it'll get its goal totally because you don't because if you don't set the attention you don't know what unconscious intention will take precedence if absolutely that makes and i love that you said it's almost like a channel that's the way i see it too i almost look at it like the radio like yeah. i want to tune myself so that you're hearing what i'm saying mm-hmm. so right now i'm tuned into the channel of authenticity and service Got it. i'm just being myself and i'm here to help whoever's listening to this podcast that's the channel i'm on Got it. So got it's like it, the radio it. station. If you put 103.5, you're going to hear 103.5. If you put 92.5, you're going to hear the music that's on 92.5. So I'm always being mindful of what's what's the channel? What's the frequency that I'm connecting yes. to? Yes. And am I connected on the same frequency that my human can hear me? Y- that's, that's something very interesting too. Because like me and you could be saying the exact same words. Yeah. And people could hear them completely differently. Absolutely. So why is that? And I think it's like, cause you're tuned in. Yeah. You're all, and have you ever had the experience where like you hear like one of those sayings that they say all the time? Okay. It's just a cliche. Yeah. I don't know. Like everything happens for something like yeah, this yeah. and you understand it on one level, but then you're like, you, the way I see like you increase your frequency, you increase your vibration, you go through the fear barriers and you're like, Oh wait, that's what that means. Yes. Yes. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting. And so I want to loop that a bit into sales Yes. and yes. how, how we can apply that there. Cause I'm thinking you're saying the same person can say the same thing, but sometimes you'll hear it a bit differently. And so what, what I'm trying to share with people when they're selling, which is a big part of where entrepreneurs kind of get stuck because they feel like they don't have the confidence to pitch their services is connecting to the frequency. Like what's, what's the why that you're selling the service? Mm-hmm. Cause you could just be selling and saying all of the marketing messages and Are you interested in this? This is for this, like using traditional marketing tactics. But if you're not coming from the place of service, the person who's on the phone or in front of you that you're going to sell to, they're not going to hear what you're saying or they're going to hear it. And it's going to be fluff because, yeah, because they're you're turned into selling was they're turned into like information or being totally, totally. Yeah, Yeah. So when I'm going in a sales conversation, into a negotiation conversation, into a collaboration conversation. My frequency is the frequency of service. So how can I be of service here? And when I'm focused on that, that's when the deals start closing. That's when you're not having to deal with things like objection handling or like making people make a decision or trying to use marketing tactics like urgency and things like that. Like that just for me feels so surface. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm connected to the frequency of service, wanting to help the person that's in front of me, it doesn't matter exactly what I'm saying because they can feel what I'm saying. So I'm connecting yeah. at a frequency level rather than using just word, fluffy words that become a sentence. You know, and some people, when we're talking about this, they're probably like, what the hell are these guys, yeah. these people tell This makes zero sense what I'm on a radio. Yeah. But it's because we all are energy. Like if you look at just somatomically, we're all energy and it's totally. all resonance and frequency. So I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. And so now that we're kind of on the sales, uh, on the, on, on sales, I would love for you to describe a little bit more about uh, what, what your position is like now as the sales consultant, kind of what you're doing your day to day. And then we'll, we'll dive into that and some of your philosophies and things yeah. around that. For sure. Well, right now I'm specializing 
in B2B, B2C selling. So I'm helping entrepreneurs and corporate teams build out sales processes that actually feel good for their team to execute. So like, what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. There's too many people, entrepreneurs and sales reps, selling in ways that people told them to sell and it not feeling good. And they're wondering, why am I not making as much money as I could be? Because they're selling in a way that is not authentic to them. Yes. So they're using someone else's strategy, someone else's template, someone else's framework, and trying to fit themselves and their service and their company into a model that has already been done before. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, we want to look at models and see what works. My company does research on what models work and you know so this is data driven i'm not saying like just go with what feels good but what we're finding is when people are using frameworks and strategies and templates that didn't come from them it's not using their strength and personality and so it's making it way harder for them to sell that service or product so what we're doing is we're trying to create sales processes that actually feel good so you feel we're talking about service you feel good selling to someone if you don't feel good selling to someone i would call it unethical sales and it's almost i don't i don't really like the word selling either it's like you're just helping them. Like you're yes. helping them solve a problem. Selling is like, it has a negative connotation. Yeah, Cause right away people think like cold calling someone calling you, it yeah. feels icky. And I'll share one of my favorite lines that I learned from my mentor, Bob Proctor, when I started studying with him, it's been about three and a half years ago that I found one of his videos online and then started studying Bob Proctor and mindset. And he shared something about selling that really resonated with me. And I took that and I embodied it as a sales rep. I used to sell for another company and it's because of this shift in thinking that I was able to become top sales rep in the company. And he said, selling is not something you do to someone. Selling is something you do for someone. Mm. So really just even let that sink in. It's not something you do to someone. You don't sell someone. It's something you do for them. Yeah. Cause, cause you're, cause if you're selling to them, it's like, I'm here, you're there, let's fight. Whereas you're doing so for them, it's like, okay, I'm here, you're beside me. Here's the issue. Okay, how can we tackle it? Let's look at it from this way. But it's like you're beside each other and not... Not across. And not like, it's not a combative. Yeah, and it's not transactional either. It's Mm -hmm. not about you being a number or a commission or just me trying to sell my product to hit my number at the end of the day. It's about actually helping the person that's in front of you and leading with that in mind. And sometimes that means not selling to the person because that's not the best thing for them. Exactly. But when you're connected to serving them and selling as a way of helping them rather than it being a transactional exchange, you just look at the sales process totally differently. So it seems to me what you're saying is like you're kind of reframing the selling process and kind of and working on the inner on the inner work of sales basically yeah because i can i if i don't believe in the product and i can read the perfect script in the world but it's not it's not going to do a difference totally totally so yes it's about you believing in the product because if you don't believe in the product or service whatever the program is maybe it's a retreat maybe it's a meal subscription it could be literally anything it could be a house but when you're connected to helping and you believe that you're helping someone it's easier for you to sell. But another part of what we're trying to do is change the way we market to people and stop making it such a trans- 
transactional um, thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's not that. And so when I'm working with clients and we're building their sales process, instead of building it with us and our company and our goals in mind, we're creating with the client in mind. And so we're looking at what's the client journey? What's the client even experiencing? Let's think about our ideal client for a little bit. What's their journey? What are their thoughts and feelings? What does their day-to-day look like? And really crafting a sales process that feels good for them. Because I can tell you when I receive emails or people cold calling or cold pitching to me, I don't feel like they care about me. Yeah. And so when we're creating a sales process with the client in mind, we want care and trust and service to be at the forefront of that and really caring about the human in front of you so that when we're selling to them, they feel that care and they don't just feel like this is another marketing email. They just want my credit card like the rest of the other companies. Yes. And I've noticed this too. Like a lot of people, they're, they they message me because um, they're trying to pitch to me, and and they're saying, and what they're saying is like, oh, I'm very impressed with your business, what you've done, and I and I'm just like. <laughs> Okay, what are you impressed about? Yeah. And then they're like, nothing. They, they don't say, so I can just so Well, like, you out, know so. right away, like, and I can go through my phone. I posted about this on social yesterday. Dozens and dozens of people messaging a day with that same right? thing. <laughs> right. Like, you're not standing out. But I'm a sales consultant, so I'm looking at it from a sales perspective. But even if I were to just remove my sales hat and think of it from a consumer perspective, I want to buy from someone who I feel that I can trust yes. who I feel cares about me. So if you have the audacity to send me a cold DM saying, I'm impressed with your profile and you haven't even taken one minute Literally. to look at my profile, figure out what do I do? What do I stand for? And you're sending me generic things like we see you want to help people create generational wealth with our proven frameworks and this, like, I'm like, you don't care about me. I'm not going to trust you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's like, it's the hardest part is to get the attention. Once it's done, yeah. it's kind of easier, but yeah. it's like, that's that initial part. And it's almost like before, and here's, here's what I do. Um, and I want to know your feedback on this. What yeah. I do is like, before I send a prospecting message, I like try to feel what that message says. And if the, if, if the feeling is exactly what I want the other person to feel, I'll send it. Yes. But this is a, but this is maybe something different because I'm a cancer, so I feel things deeply. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a cancer. I know okay. those ones. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you and you mentioned a lot about you want a sales process that feels good yep. for the person. So take us through like, or if, if if this is proprietary, I don't know. We can always we can always remove it after. No, but. no, this is perfect. I want to share with people. So what's your? Let's say like you're picking out a new client. Like yeah. what's what is your process? How are you? How are you speaking with them? How are you discovering? And how does it work from? Them? Well, I'll tell you, I have no strategy, so I'm not going in with any preset agenda. The minute you have a preset agenda, the human in front of you feels it instantly. That's true. Right? So if I'm coming up to you with an intention that I'm going to pitch you at the end of my conversation, my tonality, my body posture, my energy, already you're feeling something is off. Yes. And I'm talking about the word feeling a lot because we know through research of the subconscious mind and how humans make decisions that humans feel then they think yes right so i want to connect with the human on a feeling basis and a lot of times you know 
companies will come to me and they'll show me their pitch packages or their documents and it's all really logical yeah so they're giving things like the features the results the pain points the this and that and i mean to each their own but that's not my way i want to connect with humans on a human to human basis yes and so what will that look like it might look very different based on every situation i could tell you i signed on a new corporate client over breakfast last week amazing so someone's going to be like well my favorite thing to do is eat and i love a good brunch and so when i thought of a potential client that i could talk to i invited them to eat with me at a really good brunch place that i love that's human to human so i like sent a voice note and i was like hey like i love a good brunch like are you down for a good brunch? And they were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're good for that. So I was like, okay, well, this is the place I suggest let's meet there. So right away from the get go, like that's different because people will send like Calendly links and emails with headers and this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, I do that too. And there are some of the businesses I consult for, and that is part of our selling process. Mm-hmm. But for me, if I'm talking about an entrepreneur and how I sell, I want to do what feels good for me. Yeah. So real human interactions where there's no preset agenda. I don't have any packages that I'm proposing. I don't have a document that I'm going to flip to when it's time. I'm not thinking like 80% of the conversation is this. Then at the last 20% I'm pitching. Like these are traditional old ways of marketing. Mm -hmm. I've been coached that way before. I've tried to implement those strategies. They just did not feel good for me. And so when I let go of what it should be and thought, what would I love? Like, what am I like? What is my way of doing things? And starting to bring that into my process. Yeah. I sold a pretty big package over a delicious Turkish breakfast that lasted three hours with lots of giggles. And it was just like a really authentic, natural conversation. And we spoke about business, but I didn't go with that traditional, here's my step-by-step process. And then I find that speaks volumes because in that conversation, the CEO was able to tell me, I know I connect with you. Let's shake on hands. We're moving forward with you yeah. versus the traditional old marketing. It's like, well, we'll send you a package and then our team will discuss in this and that I'm connecting with someone deep to deep. Exactly. Like we're getting to know each other. They yes. don't need any more documents from me. They don't need to know. They don't need to review what their team on a feeling basis. They know at the end of the conversation, whether they tr- trust me whether they like me and whether they think that we would be a good collaboration yeah. moving forward yeah and i think like you can't really fool like entrepreneur you can't really yeah. fool entrepreneurs like nope. they'll they know right away yeah they'll, and actually tell you. i saw lisa laflamme speak um at a scotia bank women's initiative event a few weeks ago she's a trailblazer in journalism and has been you know on canadian tvs for years now and one of the things that she said that her mentor told her that I right away took notes of was you can't keep up the phony for too long. Yep. And so, so many times I'm seeing sales reps and entrepreneurs be phony, be someone they're not sell in a way that somebody else told them to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I see right through it. I smell it. It's from a distance. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. phony. Yeah, so yeah, my, yeah. my advice, which, which really it's Lisa's advice. I'm so glad that I was able to receive that from her was like, don't be a phony because you can only keep up the phony for so long. If you want to be 
long lasting in this industry of entrepreneurship and you actually want to scale sustainably, be yourself because that you can sustain. But if you're being someone you're not, you can't sustain that. And also someone you're not is someone else already. So that's not that's not even your brand. So you're not standing out. There's right? so many, there's so much content out there right now. Like you are the, you are the only unique thing about yeah. you. There's nothing really else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like for me, I like horses. I like, I like cowboys. I like all that kind of stuff. I like spirituality. I like nice suits. I like, I like mustaches, all this kind of stuff. But like, no, that's the unique blend of me. Yes. Right. Whereas. And that's why there, somebody would be attracted to work with Paul versus your competitor because maybe I also like horses and now we're connecting on horses Ex and exactly. we're going to go to a horse show together. And now I just trust you because we like horses. Like again, sales reps are focusing on like the logical stuff, the features, the technicality, the pitches, but people, we know that people feel first. So if I could connect with them on for you, it's horses and spirituality. If we can connect there, you're more likely wanted, wanting to do business with me than someone who hates horses. You'd be like, no, 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 I don't trust you. Like, you don't like horses. Like, we can't do business exactly. together. You know, it doesn't matter how good your pitch proposal was. Yeah. You're not connecting on that human to human basis. You're probably not going to close the deal. Exactly. So it, it almost sounds to me like almost the best thing you could do for sales is basically just like meditate and like like feel like get to know your emotions how certain things feel how you feel when you're talking with other people because then you can kind of like use that awareness that knowledge in a sales conversation absolutely in. absolutely so how do you go about like consult like training salespeople? how do you do you like find their their strengths first and build around that because um, i think like i feel like it's super hard to sell if you're logical if you're a logical being yeah well when i work with the team i want to see like what works for them and what doesn't work for them? What have they already been doing that they want to continue to do? What are things that don't feel good for them? But I could tell you somebody sent me a message yesterday, not a client of mine, but just sent a message after I posted something about never cold DMing because it's the worst marketing strategy ever. And she was like, I feel called out because I do this to 30 people a day. Like, ouch, like this is me. Mm -hmm. And I just asked her, does it feel good for you? Yeah. And she said, no, I don't like doing it. Yeah. And so that's where I want to start of like, how do you like to sell? Some people like to sell on stages. Some people like to sell over the phone. Certain companies have a certain sales model that doesn't work. And so mm -hmm. we're looking at like, what do you like? What pulls on your strengths? Mm -hmm. And what do you not like? And how can we stay away from that? So it's really one-to-one -one. every company is going to look a little bit different when we're creating their process but I think it's a two-sided coin when we're working with the clients part of it is how are we equipping the team so that training of like how do you feel on a phone call let's go through a phone conversation and see like if you weren't to talk on script what would you be like if you were to sell to me like just sell to me and let's see what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. and I can tell you most times the sales rep already knows what's not working because they'll say uh, this is the part I usually get uh, uh, on yeah and so they already know because in their feeling part of their body it doesn't feel good yes. but then the other part of what we're trying to do so it's not just not working with the team to train them but it's getting a really good understanding of the client journey and their client so we can create a process that feels good to us but also feels good to them. I think that's the key to a good sales process. I always say like for me, my fundamental 
all sales processes look different. I work in the tech space, medical space, fashion, coaching. I've worked in a lot of different industries, but what remains true across all is that we're trying to create a process that feels good for the seller and the buyer. So a, mm-hmm. a process that honors both of us, that is ethical sales. Yeah. And, and I think here's the way I'm visualizing it in my head. So it seems to be like there are, you have resources and I feel like the most valuable resource is say your energy yes. or I, I call it your emotion because it's your energy and emotion. So what you're kind of saying is uh, you're, you're talking a lot about like it feels right. So it sounds to me in my head, I'm envisioning you're trying to find like you're drilling to like to find that gold or like yes. find that gold vein, that gold veins, the energy. And once you have the feeling that's good, you tap into it because once you feel good, like natural thoughts will come to you to know the right way and know the right things Absolutely. to do. So it's almost like it's better to, it's good to have a script if you're not on, but it's, but having that feeling first. Yeah. So what about rituals? Do you like a pre-sales ritual? You kind of did a little bit of a ritual when you came here. You were talking about like you were intentionally yeah. doing that. Well, if I know exactly who I'm going to be talking to. So if I'm, let's say, meeting with Paul, like I'm just giving attention to what you and I are creating together. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost, it's not about me. It's about you. So if I'm going on a call with someone, with a company, let's say, and I'm going to pitch to this company about our services... I'm less thinking about me and I'm more so thinking about them. That's the energy of service. But I would say, because you brought this up, like if you're not using the scripts, you're using your energy, some, a tactical tool that we teach businesses and entrepreneurs is situational awareness because I could give you a script but if you're reading the script, you're not feeling the vibe. You gotta yes. You gotta gauge the vibe. Yeah. That's situational awareness. Yes. So yes. not just going through. Okay, I went through the first question. Now I'm on to the second, which is what I used to do in sales. Of course. Like, okay, I gotta find out their pain point, and then once I figure that out, I gotta figure out well, what have they tried before, and what has worked, and it's almost like I'm going through a checklist. Yeah. Ick. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And not only can the other person feel it, because we just talked about you can only phone you for so long, but I'm really losing that opportunity to connect with what is going on in this present moment. Mm -hmm. So I meditate. That's one of the tools that I can bring into my sales practice is being present in the moment. Because if you're telling me about horses... I'm not going to skip away and say, okay, but let's talk about that other thing because it's on my script. Yes. I'm using my situation, oh, situational awareness to be like, oh, let me lean into this. I, it seems like he wants to talk about this. You keep bringing up horses, Paul. What is it about horses? Let's, I want to know what is that? So I'm, I'm really in the present moment and connecting with that human. They can feel that. They know that I'm listening and I'm you, being yeah. present in that moment. And with you're them. speaking their language too, because then for example, let's say like you're trying to explain a concept. You'd be like, okay, well, you know, when you get on the horse and you, you kind of stutter a little bit and you're, yes, you know, so you yes. can use their language. And now can, we're you know, connecting on a yeah. deeper basis and not just using the words on a script, but really connecting human to human. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to go into a little bit more about the impact that you've had on some of your clients. So what's a particularly memorable transformation you've witnessed in one of your clients after they've embraced your coaching methods? Oh, so many to pick, but I would say I love a good money win. Okay. Like I love when my clients make money, but that's the obvious thing. I'm a sales consultant. Yeah. You hire me if you want to make money. Like that's the obvious. 
I would say the most rewarding work is when I see what I've taught them ripple into their family. Mm -hmm. Cause then I know it's generational impact and I know that it's way more than just money because money is good. Money is a tool for impact. That's Mm -hmm. why I believe in wealth. I believe it's a good thing because when good people have a lot of money, they do good things. Yes. So I, I'm definitely like, yeah, when my clients hit a record breaking month, that's a, that's one that we're going to celebrate. But I think one that we don't celebrate often enough that I try and always shed some light on is the ripple effect that that has. So for example, like my client being able to fly her mom first class for the Mm -hmm. first time ever, like now her mom's getting to experience something or, you know, a client messaging me saying, you know, I had a really great conversation with my husband about our future after our coaching call. So now I know it's not just about their business and that one hour that they're on the call with me, but it's having long lasting ripple effects with their friends and family. So it's not now just their life that's transformed. It's about that transformation that they also then continue to sprinkle into their life as well. And yeah. So I, I like what you said, like the ripple effect too. And you can, you can always feed on that too. Yeah. Like it, it does inspire you. I, t- I totally understand what you mean. And, and you know what this, so this, I, I, I say it's because I'm a cancer, but this is what I say. I, I say that this kind of stuff comes naturally to me because I naturally yeah. feel so like when I'm like, obviously my services, I'll help entrepreneurs, uh, build like, get get more people to basically run their business but that's not really what i'm selling like what i'm selling is like like when you come home from work and your wife and your wife is there and she sees how much more present you are because you're not focused on all this and you're so happy or you you're running around you see your kids running around and and you have time to spend with them because you're not worried about that email that you had to send last week right totally it's these these are the things that connect with people and these and this is like what's selling selling kind of is right it's really that's what it's really about that impact right exactly and at the end of the day like no one's really selling like like you're not exactly like you are selling sales consultant, but you're not really selling you're selling your trust yeah that's i think that's the fun and something very interesting that i've realized so japan has zero natural resources they are like in terms of natural resources their economy is not great mm-hmm. but they're one of the biggest economies in the world and i was just studying why that is and it's because they found a way, I don't know if this is the correct word, but like to commoditize trust mm-hmm. where it's like just through their culture, they build up, they they have trust for everyone else. And like, so it's interesting, even though they have no resources, the trust made them one of the biggest economies in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about trust and the role that that plays in sales and business, because I could tell you, no one wants to give their credit card to someone they don't trust. Yeah. So if you're not building trust, you ain't going to make money. You ain't going to grow a business. It happens with trust and trust isn't given. It's earned. Yes. So you have to earn the trust of your prospects. You have to earn the trust of your family, your team, your clients. That's something that's done over time. And that's something that is so important for me in my business that if there's no trust, there's nothing because they're trusting me with such a big part of their business, sales. Mm-hmm. There's no sales, there's, there's no nothing. business. Yeah, it's a so heartbeat. That, that trust has to be there. And the trust, like I said, it's earned, but also people feel who they can trust. That's why in a sales conversation, you can say, oh, we'll be there every step of the way. 
But if they're not feeling that trust, trust is a frequency. Yes. They're not feeling that they're not going to give you your credit, their credit card. They're not going to trust their team with you. They're not going to trust you with their company department because you could have the best pitch. It sounds like you know what you're doing, but there's something that they just feel like, I don't know. I can't trust that guy. There's something Something about them, something about them that just feels a little sleazy. And I've had that before. And I'm like, I don't know. I just can't trust that person. Then you, yeah. Then you can't, you have to listen to that. So how do you go about, because I have my own philosophy. Yeah. I want to know, but before I reveal mine with it, how do you go about building trust with prospects or with, with clients or whatever? I would say there's a few words that come to mind when you ask me that question. Honesty is one of them. You have to be honest with people. If you're not honest with people, they know you're lying right away. And so if we're talking about it being earned, trust is earned. When you're honest with people, they start trusting you. If you break honesty or if you say a lie or you're not your word and you go against something you said you were going to do or not do, now it's like, hmm. I can't trust that person. They weren't honest. They weren't their word. So honesty, I'm always leading with that. Sometimes that means me telling my clients, I can't help you with that. Yep. Even though that's not the answer they want to hear, but I'm being honest. And I know that honesty is the best way. A hundred percent. I think we're going to, I think our philosophy is very similar. Mine is you have to trust yourself. Yeah. You trust yourself you others will trust you yep. if you don't trust yourself no one's gonna trust yeah. you which yeah. is another thing very interesting it's in this paradoxical way of living like whatever you want in your life you got to give it first mm-hmm. which kind of makes a lot of sense because if you're giving love and the way that like everything uh, everything in this world is a, is a circle for some reason like the sun's a circle your yeah. eyes are a circle everyone everything always comes back everything always echoes so your thoughts your behaviors what you do I consider it's like an echo, Mm -hmm. but it's like an echo where you may have done something one day, but because it comes back to you a year later, you may have not known it was that initial, that initial action. So it's, it's in this really weird way. The more you give, the more you love, the more you give these things, they will find their way back to you. Cause it's just like, it's just the way that things work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really believe in that as well. I always, um, again, something I learned from Bob Proctor studying with him that the amount of money you make is proportional to the amount of service you give. Yep. And so people want to be rich, but don't want to help people. It doesn't work that way. And I started building wealth by giving, by giving back, helping as many people as I could. I was not selective with who I helped or how I helped. If somebody DM'd me, I was there to help them. Somebody asked to get on a call with me. I would try and accommodate. Somebody asked, you know, can we do this podcast this day? Like, yeah, absolutely. Because I know the more I put out there, the clients will come, the money will catch up. And so some people are so focused on the money part of it. I'm like, just focus on giving and service. Because if you're focused on giving and service, we know that the money you make will be proportionate to that anyways. They'll always be equal. You can't make more money than the amount of people that you help. And so how can you make sure that those are balanced and that if you want more money, how can you help more people? And it sounds so cliche. Like it sounds so like just give more, do yeah. more. But it's like this is this is why I say like business and entrepreneurship. It it almost like it becomes spiritual at some at yeah. some point. It really it, is a personal development journey for sure. And I think why a lot of people don't do it is because it's a it's a constant, never ending reflection of 
every single way in which you suck. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. If you're bad at sales, you're bad at communicator. If yep. people aren't trusting you, you're a bad leader. And yep. it's like some people, I don't know if they don't like to handle that or how, how that works, but, um, I'm checking my phone to see if my snacks arrived being honest. Yeah. No worries. Oh yeah. It's two 30. We're about an hour in so far. Yeah. Um, are you good to keep going or do you want to cut it off soon? What do you Whatever think? you want. Okay, I think I have a couple more questions. Yeah, of course. I'm ready whenever you are. And then, yeah, cool, cool. We'll end it there. Um, how do you personally deal with setbacks or challenges? Are there any specific mindset strategies you employ, or how do you go about that? Well, I've had a lot of setbacks and a lot of obstacles. <laughs> so it would be um, it would be dishonest if I said, no, everything's, everything's great. No, I've, I've had hard parts in entrepreneurship. I've had weeks and months where I'm just like, what am I going to do? Can I build this? And there's been journeys like ebbs and flows. I'm in my fourth year of entrepreneurship yeah. now. And to say like, oh, all the setbacks happened in the first year and you get over them and you, you move forward. You don't like there's still setbacks that I've even experienced. Like I had a pretty rough summer with something that happened, came up for me in business. And so I would say what has helped me is knowing that kind of like fear that setbacks and obstacles are part of the journey and so you can't avoid them you yeah. have to the only way through is through like you got to go through these experiences and so even like as I go through obstacles and, and setbacks I'm asking myself what is this teaching me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what can I learn from this because I have a belief that everything is always working out for me. Everything's always working out for me. So even when things look like this is not working out for me, like this looks bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a mess. It's like, okay, what can I learn from this? Yeah. How can I use this as a lesson? And so even just that shift of looking at everything as an opportunity for growth, as opposed to like, that's a setback, that's a failure. I never look at things as failures i've lost money i've gone i've made mistakes i've experienced my own hardship in entrepreneurship but for each of them i'm like this is going to make me a stronger leader think i'm so grateful for that awful experience because now i know that i would do it differently or i learned from this so i'm never going to recreate that same mistake in that same way so everything is a lesson. Like the other day, I 100%. realized my Gmail had been down for three weeks. My domain had expired. Oh, wow. And like, it was the worst thing ever because I wasn't getting business emails for three weeks. My clients are wondering why their emails are bouncing back. What did I learn from that? Well, I learned how to set up DN Simple and now I have like auto renewal for my domain. And so even in that moment where I was like cussing out at my screen being like, what the hell is happening? I was like, what can I learn from this? Yep. And knowing that like there is no shortcut to success in entrepreneurship. Every successful entrepreneur has gone through these journeys as well. So I just normalize it for myself and accept like, eh, it's just part of the journey. I'm just flowing through it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think what what's really interesting about that um, about the journey of entrepreneurship it's 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 difficult, but it's less difficult when you're doing it. Yeah. Like when you think about entrepreneurship, ups downs, <laughs> you're like, oh my god. But it's when you're doing it, when you're on the downs, like, okay, I'm down. Great. Yeah. What's and next? You, and you figure it out, and you yeah, just and you know it's it it's day by day. Yeah. This is day by day. 
you know, this journey is like, it's one foot in front of the other. Exactly. It just reveals itself. The journey reveals itself. Although it's a really good vehicle because you're always doing new things. And the, the cool thing about it is like, whenever you're experiencing like the same types of problems, something like there's some sort of subconscious block yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is something else. This is something that I learned. I want to hear your experience, your thoughts on this. So I think that if you, if you want to be successful in mm-hmm. business, it, it has nothing to do with reading the books and learning the tactics. It's just like, how willing are you to like look within yourself and remove your shame, remove your guilt and accept the joy and accept yep. all these kinds of things. So it's, it's very, it's always inside out, not outside in. Totally. Yeah. Totally. This, this is an inside out approach. If the inside's chaos, the outside's chaos. All the time. Right. Yeah. I'm absolutely with you. And it, it just makes me think of like, because when you look at it from outside, you're like, oh, like, I don't know if I can do it. Like the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, but you figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm not a tech person. I'm like, how the heck am I going to figure out my domain being down? Like I have to hire a website person for this, but you figure it out. Yeah. Now, now suddenly I know that ClickFunnels pays DN simple and I had an account with ClickFunnels. Like you just figure it out. But if you had told me before entrepreneurship, this is the stuff I'd have to figure out. I'm like, no way. I don't know tech. Like I'm not a tech person. I can't do that stuff. But somehow you just have the drive and you just figure it out. Yeah. And it's, and it's like the presence because like, Realistically speaking, the mind plays tricks on you. The mind thinks, yeah. oh, there's so many things you got to do. But like, okay, new domain. Like, what do I do? Can I go on Google? Can I yeah. type in how to do it? Can I watch the first video? Can I take the first step? Yeah. Like, it's very simple. And also sometimes even asking myself, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, exactly. This doesn't work. And I create an absolutely new email. Big whoop. So I don't take things as seriously because... I, I almost did. I was like, oh my God, my email's down. Oh. And it's just like, it's not that serious. Yeah. Don't, don't take it so serious. I have some fun with it. So like, that's also it. Like when you yeah, take it yeah. too seriously, you take it too seriously. So I like to bring that lightness to it. It's like, okay, what, whatever. Fuck right? it. Nobody's going to be able to email me. So all my clients is like, Hey guys, like, I don't know what the heck's going on with my email. Call me if you need me. Like, it's just as simple as that, but you're right. Like you just, there's something about entrepreneurs. We've got it in us that we just, we figure shit out. We figure shit right? out. Right? Like before yeah. you started this podcast, I'm sure you did not know how to connect audio and video and what it would be like. But you just, when you make the decision that you're going to do it, you just figure it you out. You just did it. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you yeah. figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's a good mindset to have. Um, and I think something about entrepreneurs, like the ones who really strive it, I don't know. I don't know. You're this. I can only speak for myself, but like a part of it is like, I do have a bit of a hole in my heart. I don't know what it is. I do have a bit of a hole in my heart and I'm kind of, but I'm grateful for it because say, for example, I wasn't complete. I was completely good, completely good. Like I wouldn't have like a drive to kind of go forward. And this is kind of talking about Alex Harmozy. Remember he said like the top three qualities of entrepreneurs are like they're, they think they're better than everyone. Like the mm-hmm. problem, they think they're better than everyone or superiority complex. Yeah. And they also have this big gaping hole inside them. So they're always like trying to get more to fill this world. So I think like, weirdly enough like a little bit of trauma is good yeah yeah i mean the strive to want to do better like to yeah think i'm really good because you want to think you're really good especially yeah you're selling high ticket offers like you need to believe you're damn good if people are going to pay you a couple thousand bucks for your product but at the same time you come back to that beginner mindset and i always say i don't know shit i'm going to learn from every single person i meet yeah and so having the balance between like i'm really freaking good and I know nothing, <laughs> it, it humbles you down, you know? It's, it's so paradoxical. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. you don't get too caught in the ego either. I've met way too many 
puff puff entrepreneurs who think they're too good for other people. So I think it's about finding that balance of like, I'm really good, but no one is above or below me. It's interesting that you say that because there's so naturally um, within the world, like everything's striving towards equilibrium. So mm-hmm. like um, the the tank changes in temperature are measured by wind. Things are uh, starting to go to like the, the to equilibrium. The earth is rotating. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like when you have this like overinflated perception in yourself, you're putting out this like energy to creating this creating this like energetic potential that's not exactly true with reality mm-hmm. and then there's like a balanced force that comes out and will if you're if you think you're the shit it'll knock you down a peg yep but if you think you're a worm it'll bring you back up yeah so it's interesting how it's like these physics these forces are there because it's start- no one's no one's above or below right yeah so it's like if it's you're not too good but you also don't suck there we just all are you would just exactly we just all are and we're just doing the best that we can yep right yeah Exactly. I have a few other questions here because I know I just want to be cognizant of your time. Yeah, no um, worries. How has your emotional landscape evolved since you began your journey as a consultant or entrepreneur? Ooh, emotional landscape. What's that? How has your... So, for example, for me, when I first started doing these things, I used... Well, when I was very young, I used to be a very angry child mm-hmm. as a... Probably because, you know, I was in Ukraine, I was left, whatever, whatever it is. So, I, I, was, I was angry. And then I went tree planting and mm-hmm. and then for, from planting being around the trees they just kind of like calm me down and now me so that then i had a much more calm lands calm landscape mm. and now it's more joyous for example yeah so that's kind of what i mean how's your journey been there well a big shift i mean having worked in politics my mind was very much go 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 i'd work like 14 hour days i was on tour mostly so we would drive i would drive around politicians and like be there you know Oh, which is cool because you like get these top people like you you know how they think they feel which probably yeah, helped too but i was also like humble yourself down like no one's above or below you know like Fair enough. so yeah I, I, but that's also where i learned that lesson that everyone's human even these these big these big people you see on tv they're really just human as well but coming from that go 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 mindset and this like it's almost like hustle culture like really stuck in the doing in entrepreneurship, you have the ability to create your own schedule. And so I was like, well, what would I love my life to look like? Yep. And I want it to look very different. I want it to wake up in a really calm way in the morning and meditate and do yoga and nature and journal and read my book and connect with myself and my intention for the day. Like that's what I had wanted. And so over the last few years, I've made that a little bit more of my reality of Mm -hmm. like changing my day-to-day schedule and like what would I like it to look like and like you said I think you had an experience where you went tree planting that really changed that for you after I quit politics I traveled South America for a while and I saw that like people were living quality life and they were so connected to nature and I felt that I wanted to do more of that yeah and so I've been practicing yoga for many years and that's obviously had ripple effects into how I run my business. And more recently in September, I went for a 10 day silent meditation. Yeah. You're telling called me. Called Vipassana. And I would say like that also had a pretty profound impact on how I do things mm-hmm. and how, how I'm shifting even because before I used to busy myself a lot and now I'm trying to find stillness because I know that stillness is really good for me and that meditating and connecting to my breath 
is going to help me as a human feel better and thus serve more people. And so before I was more like, go, go, go. And now like, I call it, it's like, it's just as important as working that one hour that I set for myself. It's, it's just as important as closing a sale. In my opinion, like that's the lifestyle that I want to build that my meditation practice and like finding calm and moments for myself throughout the day is as important as my daily outreach and our metrics and our KPIs. Like I'm tracking how many hours I'm meditating because I know that that's going to translate to how well my business is doing and how supported my team feels. Which is so, which is so interesting because like, I find that too, like as I'm meditating more, I'm working less, but my results increase. Yeah. So it's almost like, like as I'm sending out my intention in this world, as I, as I know what I want my life to look like, yeah. it's responding back. Totally. You know? Totally. So it's like talking back and I don't know, like, cause I do think we're all one. I think yeah. it's kind of like, we're all in an ocean and like if the ocean was to evaporate and then you know the the rain falls from the perspective of the raindrop it's like alone it thinks it's it thinks it's separate from everything else but it came from like the ocean which is source yeah that's kind of how i how i think about it we're all part of the same like spark of the divine or whatever it is um now that we're on this topic how do you what are do you have any kind of spiritual practices or beliefs besides vipassana and how have they kind of affected you yeah i I mean, if you look at my desk, you'll see all of my journals that I've literally written my physical manifestation in. So what I am experiencing now, like the condo that I live in, I wrote about that condo for months before it was on the market. Um, So that was one of the practices that I was really diligent with, getting very clear on what I wanted to build, what I wanted my life to look like even down to my husband. I wrote about him in my journal before him and I met. And so that was one of the things for a while I did a lot. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm feeling less inclined to journal these days and I'm just allowing that to be that. Cause I know some people will be like, Oh, you have to do it every day. Like that's where I fall. I have to do it, but then I fall off. No, I've manifested greatness without having to write every day, but I love it as a practice because it's really my time to get my thoughts into paper and it's so interesting to look back now and see oh my god I literally wrote this mm-hmm. I literally like you can't make this shit up because I have the dates of when I wrote it and it's like I'm writing stuff in 2020 and 2021 even around how much money I would be making monthly I used to write about when I was making a couple thousand dollars, barely scratching 4,000 a month, I would write every single day that I'm an excellent money manager. I attract $20,000 every single month without fail, with ease, through multiple sources of income. Like these are stuff that I was writing every single and you could, day. And you stayed and you stayed consistent with the number? Yeah. Stay consistent I, was, number. I was very consistent with the number. And then there was a point where the number didn't feel good for me. And so I changed the number. When you hit the number or when it was like... No, even before the number, I was like, no, it felt like I was gripping and chasing money. And then that didn't feel in harmony with my, you know, mm-hmm. theory around it being around service. So then I started changing it to like, I help 20 people a month and know that that brings me X amount of dollars. Like I started switching it up, but even my condo, like I tell you, I wrote windows where I can watch the sunrise every single morning. And our unit is the unit that catches sunrise. Wow. And so this is not stuff that is like, woo woo, like 
I mean, look at my notebooks. It's literally there. It's literally happened. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that for about three years, I was pretty consistent with. Um, when you say consistent, is that like every day? I'm asking because like, yeah, I have this struggle within me. It's yeah. like, because I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional being and it's like, I need to do it every day. But then sometimes it feels off well, and see, wrong. So if it feels wrong, like I wouldn't force it. Not wrong, but like, it feels like I should be doing it. Mm. I guess so, then. I would say every day connecting with your goal is pretty important. People will connect to their goal differently. Some people will go for a run and will think about their goal. Some people will sit in silence for five minutes. Some people will take one really long breath and think about it. So you can find what works for you and bring in different modalities. Mm -hmm. So it's really what feels right. There was a time where journaling was it for me. Like that was, it felt, I would put my pen to paper and it was like, the words just came right to and through me. The ideas came right through and to me. Now I'm feeling more inclined to sit in silence and the ideas come that way. And so even just knowing yourself of like, there's no one way and it, it could change. Like sometimes I feel like journaling and I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want to sit down and journal. And sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not going to listen to a podcast during my workout. And the whole time I'm just going to be thinking about like, what's my goal for this day? Like, how am I going to show up today? So I think the intention of connecting with your goal is a daily practice. The vehicle that you do that, how you do it, when Got you it. do it, how long you do it for, if you do it in the morning, if you do it in the afternoon, like that's really up to you. I think it's, there's this false expectation of like selling this framework of if you do it as soon as you wake up in the morning for one hour then that's what millionaires do like fuck i know some millionaires that don't do morning routines so yep, you yep. know it's just about finding what works for you and so every season could look different and you want to just like allow the seasons to tell you like okay this is the season for this you know yeah that's actually very useful for me because for me like i'm always a sponge mm -hmm. but that's like sometimes it's not good because and 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 because I, I read so many different things i read alex i read layla i read <laughs> david goggins i'm reading you know tim ferris i'm reading all these people and they all have slightly different but similar approaches and my head is like swiveling around but then i realized like i listen to everyone but me yes this is why I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, which is ironic. But listen to this one. Okay. But, but because we're recording yeah, a podcast. Yeah, gotta listen to this one. <laughs> but that's also part of it for me. I know that I've learned this um, saying from one of my mentors, Jim Quick. He said, leaders are readers. And so I always embody that. Like leaders are readers. They're always looking for more education and, and bettering themselves. But there comes a point where we get into just like com consumption overload. Yes. Where then you like get into like analysis paralysis and like you don't actually take action and it's just like content overload that's also not a good place to be mm -hmm. and so sometimes like i read a few books but read them every day or read them often and they're kind of like my bibles if i could call it that so i'm not reading too many books like when i read alex hormozzi's book million dollar offer i read that book for three and a half months which is probably and i didn't yeah, listen yeah. to anything else and i only did that so i wasn't saying like okay well i'm trying alex's strategy let me try this strategy too it was i was only doing that and so i worked on my offer for three months and i didn't also pick up a social media course and also hire a new team member like i was like i'm just gonna learn this one thing and i'm gonna implement the heck out of that until i get the result which he also so, talks about that he's like yes. read one book but keep doing it yes no 
Paul, do it again. This is the fifth time you're, you've, you've, you've heard this. Yeah, do it. So like when I read a book that I like, or I listen to a podcast that I like, I'm just asking myself, cause sometimes you listen to something and you listen and then you're like, Oh, what did I even listen? Like I didn't even pick yeah. up really anything. I can read one paragraph but I study that paragraph and then I ask myself, how can I embody that paragraph? So I'm, maybe I'm not reading three chapters. Maybe I don't finish a book in a week, but I'm taking one lesson, just one part of it and just saying, okay, how can I just be what this is saying? How can I integrate this three lines into the next week here? So it's almost like less is more sometimes, yes, you know? Yes. And something that you left, something that's like, unsaid in here is you have you found a way to to get rid of your ego that you don't have to finish a chapter you don't have to finish a book because i struggle with that i'm yeah. like i need to finish this i want to read 10 10 books but it, you know what now that i realize like everyone who's telling you you need to read 12 books a year or 52 books a year they're trying to sell you something yeah they want you to buy I more books <laughs> exactly. they want to buy more books so yeah they like, want you to buy their book and yeah, include exactly. it as what is it but if you just took one book if you just took one chapter like i could tell you i know so many people like they're like oh i read thinking grow rich like tell me how you implemented one of the principles yes. of thinking grow rich and so reading is not enough knowledge is not power knowledge when integrated is power and so if i'm reading three lines like today i read the book um, by neville goddard and the power of awareness and he was talking about the naturalness of having your goal already so it was mm -hmm. three lines and he was like connect to the naturalness of having your goal already stop waiting to get to the goal feel like it's here now yes and yep. so i'm i'm just integrating that already today showing up here it's the naturalness of me being one of the top leaders on podcasts. I'm a thought leader. People invite me to their podcast. So I didn't read three chapters, but it took three lines and really, really thought it through and thought, how can I embody this and integrate it into my day to day as opposed to be like, oh, well, I read 72 books. No, I'm not that person. Because nah, Yeah, yeah. That's very, this is, this is something I needed to hear yes. right here. So I'm glad and I'm I sure somebody again. else listening is and also I'm sure like, I need to hear this too. hundred <laughs> percent. All of you, all you reading 52 books a year, just, yeah. just for the uh, goal. Awesome. So I think, um, looking ahead, what are some of your major goals or aspirations for the next few years, both personally and professionally going forward? And then I'll just have one final question for some closing thoughts and we're good to go. Well, what's on the plate for Ghazi? I would like to see my firm grow into different departments. Mm -hmm. I think there's part of me that wants to grow a team. Um, and so I'd love to see 2024 be that year where we grow a few different departments and bring on some other consultants. Cause um, right now I'm, I'm basically at cap, which is a great problem to have, but great, I'd like yeah. to, yeah, I'd like to support more clients and help more people. And I know the way to do that is to delegate and to bring on some other experts into the firm as well. So I would say a year from now, we would have like a content creation department where we would be working with awesome um, content creators that would come and support our clients. I could imagine that we would have um, like an ads department. Right now, I'm running all of these departments myself and bringing on support as need be. But I would love to see that in the next year, we would have a few different departments with team leads who are owning their stuff. And that allows me to just step back a little bit more um, and do some of the work that 
I would say is my passion and I would love to start doing more school visits. Mm -hmm. I would like to speak to kids that are in grade 10 and in grade 11, help them with figuring out what they're going to do before university. Cause I remember that was a really scary time for me. So once I build out the business and have more support to um, run the business and to take care of our clients, I imagine that that would free up some of my time. I would love to do a tour, like an Ontario tour, yeah. visit as many schools yeah. as I can and have like a really fun conversation with students. And I imagine there to be a dance party and a DJ. And yeah, I just imagine it to be super fun, but I can't do that right now because I'm pretty tied up in the business. So yeah, I'd like in to- In the business, not on it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to just be in a place where the business runs itself. Got um, it. Of course, my clients- get their support from me as need be, but I would love to free up some of my time so I could do work that is not necessarily income generating, but is joy generating. And I would love to support young kids. So that's where I would see the next year go. And I, I I like that too. I also want to talk to kids and like, that's one of my big things. I I really like, I think that's one of the best things you can do for, for humanity as a whole, like inspire the kids. And yeah, so we could definitely talk about it a little bit later. If you're looking to build teams, that's what we do. That's what we're over here, here. And, um, finally, what advice would you give to our listeners who are inspiring entrepreneurs or are seeking personal transformation? What final thoughts would you want to leave with them? Hmm. I would say to take action because I don't want to leave you with any like fluffy, like go for it, follow your dreams. Like that's all good. But if you don't take action, you can't build a business and That's what I would leave you with. Like, what's one thing that you can do to take action to grow your business? Because again, knowledge is only knowledge until it's applied, then it's power. And so if there's something from my sales strategy that, you know, you felt called to run with that, maybe you got an idea of a new prospect to reach out to. Maybe you want to sell over brunch, whatever it is, like find that one thing and really take action from it. Cause I don't want you to just listen to a podcast and get inspired. I want you to really go out there and implement this so that you can make money and and do what you're meant to do here. Got it. Got it. And, uh, what are, where can people find you? Where can people hear from you? Where can people follow your journey? Well, I hang out mostly on Instagram. So if you want to hang out with me there, I'm at Authentic Gazzy on Instagram. I also am recently on LinkedIn. So I'm writing more corporate blogs, really helping sales teams. So if you want the real Authentic Gazzy with hanging out with my cat and rants on stories, <laughs> you find me on Instagram. If you're looking for professional content, something that maybe you'd show your corporate boss, find me on LinkedIn. It's Gazzy Amin. That's amazing. And we're going to link that down below in the description so you can definitely find Gazi. Gazi, thank you so much. I, I, I did not know this is, this would be the direction that the conversation is good. So I was very happy. I think I learned a lot. Um, I hope you were able to express what you wanted to express. And I think like, I think there's still so much left unsaid, even though we've been going for an hour and a half. So I think we'll definitely have you on another well, time. We have to come back. Yeah, this, for is, part this two. is great. I, I'm, I'm learning. So thank, thank you. you very, thank you, Gazi. And uh, peace out.